You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. It is Oscar weekend. You've got to play some movie music, or do some movie music with your mouth. Correct. There you go. So yeah, Oscar weekend tomorrow evening. We will be watching it on Monday. I imagine. Why not? Can't we just watch it when I get home? I'll be home by seven. I don't think we have cable with which has it. Well, we might have that lower down. It's on a network. Plus, I want to watch it in high definition. Well, that's your choice, then. So Don't we, ask me. So, that. we'll watch it the day after. Then you're not so. asking. You're telling. Um, what's interesting about this year's Oscars is we haven't really seen any of the movies. So, that's Correct. interesting. So, um, we've seen a few. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, well... In my life, I used to actually actually make the effort and be devoted and have the opportunity to see them Yeah, all. but I'm saying that this is a different... Um, you don't... Here, it's all I'm looking at. That's this it. Is, um... <laughs> This is a different um, different way of looking at the Oscars if you haven't seen all the movies. So when you watch it, it's different. You know? Yeah, I don't enjoy it as much, to be quite honest with well, you. Well, then you better get your watching on tonight and watch... We've got at least ten of them. You could stay up and watch all I'm ten. I'm not going to watch them all now. <laughs> Over the course of the year, you used to just watch every movie. Unfortunately, because we review movies now, um, and the Oscar review movies... In fact, we got one this week, Hugo, which we're going to be reviewing in a couple of weeks. Unfortunately, because we re- review movies now... Some t- I, I can get screeners off these companies for these Oscars. But we could be watching them all year long. We can go to the movies, actually. We can watch you them. You could when go they to the movies. I don't like to if I'm, if I'm going to get it on Blu ray. That's um, not correct. Because I said to you, I would like to go to the movies sometime. And you go, well, I want to go with you. What I'm ta- no. <laughs> what I'm talking about is if I know I'm going to be reviewing it on Blu ray, I like a fresh experience. I don't like to have already seen it and then watch it. Right. Again. But there are, we haven't seen them all. That's what I'm saying. No, but we will when they all come out, which starts next I think this week. This year, I'll just make the effort on my own. Then that way, right. it won't affect you. But I will have at least some knowledge of but then why when, they're. But then, being when it comes to movie review day, I'll just watch them on my own. No, I can watch them again. I have no. See, I don't mind watching it again. So that's why I don't do that. You know, I mean, I like to have a fresh experience when I get a Blu-ray. You know, see the see see it new, like this movie, for instance. I wouldn't have liked to have already seen it. I like to. So that's what I do. So this year, you will make the pledge to go and see every no, I'm not making a pledge. Oscar movie. I'm not saying that. I'm saying for my own self. Well, you won't know if they're Oscar movies until... No, I used to watch basically every movie that would come to the local theater. Every right. time. I'd ring it out, unless it was something I had no interest in whatsoever. Like, I don't even know what... No, I used to just... I would go to the theater. This was my movie going. Show up. Look at the thing. And try to time in my mind... How many movies could I see in one day or night in a row and time it so that I came out of one, walk in another, come out of that one, go in another? And I would do that on the weekends or my days off. Unfortunately, you can't do that now, and we do have a nice home theater, so it's nice to watch movies that way. I can still do that. What, every day go? No, I didn't say every day. On my days off or days, you know, when you have a weekend, a whole day or whatever, that's when I would watch. I personally dislike the movie theater. This is my opinion on it. I hate people in the movie theater. They ruin my experience. Blu-ray is the way to watch movies, in my opinion, for me. Not for you, for me. I didn't say that I don't hate people in the theater, but the opportunity to see these movies seems, that's it. I mean, I don't want to always wait until after. Because part of my love of the Oscars was always, from the time I was a little kid, I always vowed, I want to know what all these movies are. And then as I got to be an adult, I watched them all. And then 
when I'd see it, I would understand why. Oh, you'd go to the cinema and watch them all. Or watch them on just whatever. You wouldn't have watched them on anything before the Oscars. No, because videotape wouldn't have put it out in time. Until afterwards. Yeah, I used to just go when I was adult-ish. In fact, all the movie companies now wait until the day after the ceremony, obviously, so they can... You know, market Put a them. label on like their Hugo box, yeah. comes out the day after the Oscars um, because it's it's nominated for what, uh, eight Academy Awards this year, so they uh, put it out then perfectly perfectly timed, isn't it? Because people are like, "What's that Hugo? What's that Hugo?" If it if it wins loads of awards, um, so yeah, Oscars. Um, so you've just experienced our before the sh- after the show discussion because that was not what we were discussing, but now you got the full. Full, but it's Oscar version. weekend, so yeah, that's it. So <laughs> it is Saturday. Well, no, it's not really, but it, but it is. Not when you're listening to this. So it's Saturday, February the 25th, 2012, and this is after the show number 212. 2012 and 212. Lots of 12s in there. It's um, The movie we're going to be looking at this week is J. Edgar. This is a Blu-ray movie. Um, 2011 movie. Unfortunately, not up for any Oscars. Um... Leonardo get kind of gets snubbed a lot. Doesn't I think he? so. Yeah, I think he does. Um, so, yeah, not Clint Eastwood doesn't. Clint Eastwood has his fair share of uh, but, nods, but this one unfortunately not. Um, so it's a 2011 movie. It's released on Blu-ray on the 21st of February. So it's actually out now. It came out last week. Um, it's an R-rated movie. It's from Warner. There is no tagline. J. Edgar's the tagline, really. <laughs> um, his signature. Which yeah. is prominently displayed on the box. Um, and you are going to give us the synopsis of this movie, J. Edgar. It is a look at maybe two to three of the complications that you might apply to this human being, J. Edgar Hoover. His devotion to his job, his perception of what his job is, which is American protecting American democracy, and his a personal relationship or his, or maybe a trio, like a little triangle of personal relationship, but only skirts the top of that. But that's it. I mean, there's nothing else about it. It doesn't really explore the history of the FBI and stuff, but it is just those three, to my mind, it's those three things about this one human that still, you know, it's just sort of shining light on it to make you ask the question or wonder a little bit. All right. So get going into the movie, Jay Edgar, a biopic, as, as we uh, know, um, and who is J. Edgar Hoover? He was the man who invented, or started, founded... The founder the F- of the FBI. FBI Federal in, Bureau of Investigation. Um, which most people should know. I mean... No, not everybody's going to know that. Absolutely not. I'm Amer- Americans, I'm assuming. No. Really? Absolutely not. Are it's you not, not taught that at school? Maybe Maybe it's in one sentence in a book. It's part of your history. I mean, it's a big, 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 massive... Do you know how much history we have? Same as you. Do you know everything about British history? We have a lot of history. You have very little bit of history. (laughs) Do you memorize it all? Do you know the last 250 years of history from England? Every detail? No, but this is a big, important thing. Not really. I think. Anyway, I think it is. So It would um, be to Clint Eastwood's generation, because he is of that time more... It's just like everything isn't passing in time. Um, Obama's going to be more of out my history because I'm an adult when he became president than in 50 years when we could have potentially had three or four other African-American presidents. And it's not going to be as big a deal. And I will say, aren't you teaching your children about uh, Barack Obama? I mean, he's hugely important. And they're like, oh, that was like 10 presidents. Actually, ago. that's why I really like films like Jag and, and different films throughout time, you know, because... 
they do open up, you know, even though this one, it's not a, it's not a 100% factual depiction of events. Right. Because it's a lot of speculation. But at least it makes you think about a person's role in society, or you know, like this, or, or if you watched uh, JFK, or you watched um, Malcolm X, you know, at least some people... Who, who... Nobody is only what you perceive them to be. Correct. So every person, regardless of who they are, whether it's your husband, or the leader of the free world... They're multifaceted. You're yeah. humans. You're complicated. Public figures such as J. Edgar Hoover or, you know, anybody, the president or whatever. Public figures. It's it's hard. It's easy to... You see them on TV. One-dimensional. Like. It's hard to... Um, well, I don't think most people do. Think of a, a life actually aside from you seeing them on television delivering a speech or... A, so, when you see something like this one, J. Edgar, where... He has a, some could say, controversial kind of side to him. And a he's not your normal average family man. In fact, he's, that's not what he is at all in, in, in the background. But he could come across as that when you just see him on the... You just think, oh, there's a guy. He's a politician. They're all the same. Uh, not a politician, he's a... He's promoting police. an ideal and... Uh, uh, well, an I- a set of beliefs and... And then, ideals that and then his background you associate might with a lot of other things that might go like make the puzzle make a complete person, and yet you had then have to question yourself and go, well, why do I think that? Why do I think because he's well dressed and he speaks with authority, and he's a big you know he's got a high position of authority that that I can figure out his whole life and just from that. And you can trust him also because you you true, we put a lot true. of trust in all the in people in power like this guy. You put trust in it because. He's there, and he's the guy who does that, you know? You put a lot of trust in these people. But I'm sure you can chip away at all of them and find something uh, interesting. That even boils down to your own... The manager of your store or the manager... Your your head of your department. I work in a government department. And it even goes down to that level where you go, this person isn't just the guy who slams his fist on the desk and demands that everybody... And then he walks away. He's like a whole person. Like, why do I have to respect him because of his position? He's probably just... He's just a dude like everybody else. Now, we can't... You know, J. Edgar is highly speculative, the entire thing, really. I mean, apart from some facts that happen. Factual events, But most of this private life stuff, which this movie covers more more so than the actual um, real stuff. You know, stuff that we know about. Yeah. um, You... You can't take it as fit, as true because no, no. nobody knows, and and it, so. But I like the ideas that they come up with here, and you know what I thought, thought about this movie after watching it was, it's a really gentle kind of quiet movie. I, I felt it was told very respectfully, even though the subject is it doesn't paint him to be a gr- a great guy. Like it paints him to be it paints him to be all kinds of things, but it you know. You don't Makes really you feel like him. You feel uncomfortable, but I don't feel. But still, I think I think Clint, Clint Eastwood was very respectful to what was there. You know what he knew, and he didn't overdo the, you know, this personal life. Yeah, exactly. He just focused on a couple of things, like almost like a love story between three different people in J. Edgar's life, him and three different people, and the FBI. Yeah. I think is the fourth corner yeah, of that yeah. love square. So a love square. <laughs> yeah. So he deals a lot with his mother, 
who he... Oh, sorry, that's a five... What's five-sided? Pentangle. Pentagon. It's pentagon. Oh, huh. um, funny. Yes. So he deals with his, his relationship with his mother, which is, you know, kind of awkward a little bit. It's mm-hmm. weird. It's weird. Um, I, intense. Intense, yeah. It deals with the relationship with um, his him and his secretary... Uh, and then it deals with a relationship between him and his right-hand man, as he calls him, at work, um, who happens also, according to this movie, to be a lover of sorts. Um, but not there's no there's no answer. No. It just asks more questions. Yeah. And in fact, it presents it in a way that makes me, as an intelligent, rational human being, realize uh, the the real question is why would I give a shit. What anyone does in their private life, unless it's terrible, horrible. But in terms of who you're married to, who you love, who you have sex with, as far as it's consulting adults, you know what I'm saying. Or if you're never married, why can't we have a president, America, who's a single dude, who's maybe 55 years old, who just has decided never to be married and doesn't have a religion. Um, Why do we have to package it all up? Because I'll tell you now, a lot of the married men with children who I know are complete asses. Yeah, was good. So like, just, they're not, just to explain know. to the listeners here, uh, Jay, if you don't know about Jay, Jay Edgar is was not a married man. Right. He never got married. He um, never was had o- children that o- we know of. I often guess. seen with his man. He's, I just called him his right hand man, but I mean, he was literally he spent Companion. all of his time with him. Yeah, yeah. like he, he was like. I mean, that's why there was speculation of whether he was his lover. They were just together all the time. They could have been best friends, like Clint Eastwood But the question said. is, what is it even It doesn't matter, matter but we, it, back then, it yeah. was different times to now. I mean, it, it would be a bit more acceptable now. Uh, to, I mean, there'd still be people saying, no, that's, yeah. that's terrible. I, I, can't get, I can't get with that. I couldn't have him doing that. That's but, what I'm saying. Like, if we even shine a light on it, why even shine a light on it when it doesn't... Add value or devalue the good or the bad that a person does. So it's just no. I mean, my opinion is uh, love who you love, and <laughs> and that is, whatever makes you happy in your life, that is it. I have no. But it, back in those days, it was harsh. Sure. And there's a scene in the movie where he kind of hints to his mother what he is, and he doesn't say it. <laughs> yeah. He just hints, and the reaction is enough to yeah. say uh, is a, is the reaction actually. Her reaction would, would, to me, would imagine everybody's reaction Absolutely. would be in those times because those times were. I think that's what led to one of your recommendations, not just because yes. it's a biopic, but because of that times and the change, because that was a pivotal time yeah. in the coming homosexuality being more of a cultural discussion than it was a hidden secret. Now, like I say, I thought this movie was like a. It's a real peaceful movie. I felt like. At ease all the time, mm-hmm. and I know some people would say, "Oh, this is like a a slow movie," or it, it was it uses a style of um, flashback, flash forward, uh, but uh, is I think it's a linear narrative because it's just told in the way of like we start with the old Jagger, old mm-hmm. Jagger um, writing, uh, well, a guy writing his recounting what, these events, yeah, yeah, and then you go back and you see the events as they unfold, and sometimes. You see an, an event from the beginning of Jagger's life. Sometimes you see an event from the middle or the end, but you it ne- never loses you. I, I've a, I, I read a lot of um, reviews on IMDb just now, and they were all like, "Oh, this is just the most confusing biopic I've ever seen." I didn't get it. I say to you, I say to those people, um, 
pay attention. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, was not, I had no idea what you were going to say no. there. I didn't know if you were going to be nice or gentle or be like, what, what are you Because I, 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 I sometimes, and this, you know, political um, stuff, and this has elements of politics sure. in it, even though he's not a politician, it has elements of politics. Sometimes with political stuff, I admit, I get lost with it because I'm not, I don't follow politics, so the actual, you know, day-to-day running of politics and how it all works. I don't understand it sometimes. Um, this, I, there was no nowhere where you would be grey or unclear about anything. The only unclear things are that if you don't know these things from history and you don't know the names that they're kind of throwing at you, sometimes quickly and sort of assuming, like Clint Eastwood and the writer, because the writer, he's a young dude. Yeah, he's he is. Of I, research. I, that was one of the things I thought. Well, he's done so much research. And then Clint Eastwood has, in the, in his so in his psyche of his lifetime, all of these names and all of these, his, you know, these stories he's heard and heard in class or whatever and in movies from his from childhood and whatnot. But that he, they presuppose that you know them. Is that right? Presuppose? They oh, assume. I don't assume. know what presuppose. Is no, that a word? No. I just made up a good word. They presuppose. They mm-hmm. assume that you're going to catch. And so when they make references to historical things and names and criminals and whatnot, it's sort of that sort of catches me off guard. But then I think, well, it, if I'm not catching it, it's not relevant. It's just the concept. So that might lose people. Where you 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 focus on the wrong thing in a conversation. Where you're supposed, you know get a bigger picture. Don't focus on the details, kind of thing. Yeah. So that I can understand. But the timeline, I there was no middle beginning there was one childhood and then everything else was from the time he was in and it went forward yeah it would come to now we'll say now but it was actually it would drop it would would drop everything and drop to his right but it was the 60s when we come to yeah Uh, that's his old version and then you go to the 20s the 30s the 40s and it was quite obvious because like you you would be dealing with a young jay edgar in a scene and then the next scene would be him talking (laughs) to like the the younger kennedy the makeup kind of gives it all With away. With old makeup on. Yeah. And, and they mentioned each president and each and the time presi- period. And they made sure that the actors who play the presidents... Are clearly who are they clearly are. clearly look... Ex- you know, not exactly, but you clearly know it's a Kennedy. Yeah, you exactly. clearly know it. Yeah, a Nixon. Um, People get distracted by things, though, I think. Yeah. And it's easy to get that way, like you it's said. It's not the kind of movie you can dip in and out of, and it's not the kind of movie you should uh, watch while you're making the, your dinner on Netflix. It's not that <laughs> Correct. Kind. You sit down, you spend... It's two hours, 20 minutes. You sit down for two hours, 20 minutes, and you absorb the movie. And that's how I did it. And I, I You take a maximum a, of three pee breaks that we did. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a great uh, biopic myself. I like... I love Clint Eastwood's style. It's It's... Like I say, quiet and respectful, always. Like, um, I think all of his movies are. He uses his own score that he plays himself, the piano music. And that's very distinct in most of the movies he's made in the last ten years. You'll hear Clint Eastwood tinkling on the ivories at some point. And I sometimes think, maybe that's going to get a bit old because it always sounds like Clint Eastwood playing the piano. I can tell it's him, but... It works in all of them. It worked in Gran Torino. It works in this. You know, they're totally different. Here after. Yeah. Very, a little bit different, but same. Yeah, but still, you could hear him playing the piano. Um, so I love that aspect of Clint Eastwood. He's just like an all-rounder. And, it, you know, comes from an older generation than we do, obviously. He's got a lot of experience. He's lived through this. Some of these things, yeah. Yeah, um, I like that. I think his philosophy, and he's mentioned it in every extra, is you just let the story tell itself. Yeah, and I think while he interjects, like with hereafter, 
is there a God? Is there not a God? Is there an afterlife? Is there not an afterlife? Do we go? Is our spirit go? Blah, blah, blah. And then you ask him about it. And he goes, well, you know, you watch and you Make decide. Make your own mind up. Feel like if you go back over all of his movies, he's evolved to that. Like to where you don't have any characters that are just absolutely this or that. There's all gray areas. And I think he just wants you to let the story come in you. And then maybe you want to go look up some more. You want to think a little bit about it. I really do think. And what that's I really his like style. about Clint Eastwood is he's an older dude, like um, from a generation way before we were. <laughs> yes. Um, who I would think, you know, a lot of that generation and this J. Edgar movie portrays that a lot would be judgmental and, you know, um, back backward in their thinking. You know, an old style guy, but he's not like that. He's he really. You know what year he was born? Just th- I, th- I reckon he's about 80. Wow, what year would that be? I don't know. Uh, to, um, 30s. Actually, he's 82. He's born 1930. Oh, it did. So his whole youth would have been when J. Edgar Hoover was coming of age. That's like my youth and teen years when those years are very formative. Well, yeah, because he... And television was just... Dillinger coming, was not was even doing coming into the world when yet. When he was a boy, like little... Yeah, so when he went to the movies and stuff, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so he would have seen the James Cagneys and the, you know, that kind. He would have seen the thing of J. Edgar Hoover. They did those public service yeah, announcements where he gives like a little. PSA. I mean, it's literally. Yeah. There's not many directors who could go, you know, and do it in this way. I feel that all of Clint Eastwood's movies, where he he just draws from his own thing, you know, and he's one of the oldest directors out there, isn't he? I mean, he's made a lot of movies. Absolutely. And, you know. So and I I really like I went to have a look at what other people thought of Jag after we'd watched it there on IMDb and people hated it and it's too slow they don't get it it's boring um, Leonardo's not very good all these things I read were exactly the opposite of what this movie is I mean Leonardo it's ab- Leonardo is I'm just going to go down and record it <laughs> one of the greatest uh, actors of our times. I agree. He, he is. I mean, this, just just this, and um, The Aviator, just just look at those two movies. Two different figures in history who we're familiar with. Two very different figures. And I don't know it's Leonardo DiCaprio, you know? I mean, apart from the obvious. I have a couple moments in this one, and it's not him. It's not his fault. I felt like the makeup occasionally did a disservice. The old makeup. And the only reason it bothered me was because I'm, I'm for split seconds at a time, I'm fixated on thinking, oh, is that what Leonardo DiCaprio is going to look like in 40 years? And that's unfortunate. I actually, because the uh, makeup was over the top I sometimes. quite like the makeup uh, on certain people. I thought the makeup. I though. thought the makeup on uh, Army Hammer was really not good at all. No. It looked like a rubber mask. It was really sad. I loved sad. the makeup on um, Naomi Watts. Absolutely, yeah, she actually looked like an this old lady. movie made me like her again. Yeah. I never, I didn't like her in King Kong. I did like her in this. And movie. the makeup on Leonardo DiCaprio varied, but I thought it. I thought it. They really it did look like. He had times when that hairline is yeah. really distinctive yeah. and the this thing, but yeah, unfortunately, and that wasn't him, but we. But, I mean, you've got to do something. I mean, you either put put another actor who's older in or you let Leonardo do it. I'd rather Leonardo do it in some makeup. Absolutely. Um, I don't understand people's dislike. I think people can't absorb, like, a more kind of, like... that. You have to give yourself to this movie and um, actually work a little bit to... You know, it's not Tower Heist. 
you got to watch closely. Sometimes it's down to an expression or a movement or a, a sigh or other things that are to do with actually actually portraying a, hu- a human being that's lived and partially fictional, as we know in this movie. But that's what his job is. That's what he's... You know, like his... I'm going to sound really hokey here. And even I think it sounds hokey and pretentious. But there's a craft to acting that you would say, well, Ben Stiller in Tower Heist, he does his bit, he's funny, he does his thing, blah, blah, blah. But it's different from when Leonardo DiCaprio or Army Hammer are being the subtle, the tiniest little things that they might have mulled over and looked at on screen and go, well, that... You know how you raised your eyebrow there? That, that And do this and do that. It's really subtle sometimes. And you can't be like a dullard sitting there going, Oh, God, get on with it. You know, like, you've got to just, like you said, exactly. Give yourself to it. Watch very closely. And, I, and really, you know. I actually thought this was, um, when I say it's like quite, I actually thought it was quite a fast-moving, interesting story. Yeah, it kept on. Yeah, because it really hits all the points of J. Edgar's life that are interesting. Like, like you know, interesting stuff like his cataloging system, yeah. which was amazing. Didn't like, even it, know that existed. No, and like, like the him being you know the founder of the FBI, but his higher ups thinking it's a joke. Like, just get out of this office. What are you doing? Like, you're taking our resources up. Get you know, he was fighting against the machine. Like he was an advocate, and probably not the only one, but an advocate for um, forensic sciences. Like. Yeah. Don't stand on the crime scene because don't. But everybody thinks he's a joke because of that. Yeah, but and I'm not saying that he invented the concept, and I'm sure there are other law enforcement around the world at the same time period or even before who were thinking of this kind of thing to solve crimes and whatnot. But he was up against it. I feel like. And then there was certain and I think, moments. I have the feeling that the real guy was really annoying. I feel like he might have been one of those annoying. Well, he got people. people's backs up, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Like, I mean, as a person, like, uh, you know. And there was interesting moments for me where it really portrayed him as to be a complete asshole, where he'd, like, just pluck somebody out of somewhere and then they would be immediately like his, like the doctor. Mm-hmm. Like, just be really rude to a guy and then literally you're coming coming to work for me every single day. And you don't have a choice. Don't have a choice. You, this is what you're doing from now on. Like, I'm so important and powerful. Yeah. There's no way you can resist or turn me down. This is what and you do from now on. This is how your life is going. And it's just nothing to him. It's just a split second. Or fire someone without any other than his own personal perception yeah. of what just they... Just make sure, with the time where he says, make sure this guy has a desk job from now on and make sure it's really hard for him to keep it. I can actually, you can apply that to your own jobs, probably. You've known of jobs of people who own companies who would just fire people on the spot because of just... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, it doesn't come, they don't portray it as though he's got a power trip going on. I don't think. Maybe a little bit, but not, it's not like he's just this complete monster. Dialogue alludes to it more than his behavior, where they, even his, the man who's his friend, says, you want the glory, you want the adoration, so... But it's not shoved in your face. It's more like this guy's observed it in him. And now he's telling us as an audience. He's reminding him, J. Edgar, that this is your appointment. But we don't. you don't feel like he's, you know. I like how it doesn't paint a, a particularly nice picture of the guy. I really like that. I, th- I think that is... Because there's a scene towards the end where we get the... Blah, 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 mm-hmm. Which makes you suddenly like sit there and go, Okay, I don't... I, you know, I, I had a certain um, thing in my head, and now I have another thing. 
Um, I really like that because that's a ballsy thing to do because like, you're paying. Re- you're supposed to absolutely because this guy is a real guy in history. Who lots of people admire or love or whatever, um, and then you're kind of turning it on its head a little bit. And you go, oh, well, you're telling people what they already know, kind of thing. Exactly. But you're kind of really Clint Eastwood's really putting it out there and saying, look, this is this is my my portrayal of. There's this. an element and of fiction to actually, everything you know about everything. Yeah. Even if right now our government tells us this, that, and the other about anything. It could be anything. All the way down to Saddam Hussein's, you know, the raid on this and that and this guy, whatever. Yeah, it's and, what they choose to tell you. Exactly. That maybe one of the original spin doctors could have been J. Edgar Hoover and his people or just... That you can't... You really can't trust anything. Not really. So why not, in a movie, just accept the fiction. If you want to know more reality, go to the library... Don't even sit in front of your computer and research it. Go to your library. Go to the Library of Congress, even. And look it up yourself. But and, don't judge. And like they say, the, the, a thing I found fascinating was he had like a, like a computer kind of mind, is how they referred to it. And he had made this, in the Congress, made this cataloging system to like so a, you can access information quicker. Right, like a Dewey Decimal System, but, but it wasn't about, that, was it? Well, we're talking about analog-style, like, cards. He didn't invent the Dewey Decimal no. System, did he? Who did Decimal? Dewey and Decimal? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Decimal. Um, so he, he invited... There's these cards that, you know, it's like it's when you go to the library and you yeah. have to look... But he literally did this himself. And, you know, about fingerprinting. Yeah, that didn't... Um, uh, Obviously, it was a science already, but that it was sort of poo-pooed on. It was on. a science that other people said, oh, yeah, that's not very well, that's not probably. Like, in our lifetime, DNA evidence was poo-pooed on 20 years ago. Poo-pooed on is a very technical term. And yet now, people are actually released from prison, are convicted of crimes because of yeah, DNA yeah. evidence, which 20 years ago, or if you would have told a, a, you know, an FBI guy 30 years ago, well, we're going to... Ex- take some blood or a hair sample or a piece of skin and we'll be able to tell you who that person was and that's it they'd be like whatever but now you know so fingerprints are almost an outdated technology when you think about it except even i have to have my fingerprint taken for my job yeah and it's still valid but uh, i'm in a database somewhere and actually that wouldn't have occurred if it weren't for this guy you wouldn't have been doing it. Well, somebody else might have come along and, and yeah. the, he is the guy responsible for like the front of it, yeah. yeah. Um, but he's also the guy responsible for a lot of things that the the police and the FBI do now. So, he, you know, he's an important figure throughout. Um, but yeah, they, they throw in this, they say about him having, you know, dirt on people because he needed it because, because of the corner that he was in also. In, in his own life. Yeah, and being in this job where you're kind of... People didn't respect him that much. He was almost like... Well, it, it seemed to this movie almost like they didn't really want that to occur. Like, they, they would rather not have him. I got the, police, the feeling... Policeman. Like I said, that he personally was annoying to people. And we've all known that person in the office who, as soon as they're walking towards your group, as you're talking, everyone rolls their eyes at each other because the mere presence of that person is annoying to you. And yet, he had this double thing. He was annoying everyone, and yet he had that certain charisma, I think. They showed you this awkward, awkward side to him, too. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah, where definitely. Where he kind of stutters, and he's very uh, not very good with people. Not like, confident. Yeah, like like where he sees the where the women are talking to him in the nightclub, and he, you know, he's got... He, He's on top of the world, as mm-hmm. no pun, but, um, you know, he just can't even deal with a face-to-face conversation with a woman, or, you know, he's not... 
Anything that he wasn't expert at, I think it seemed from this, it made it portrayed it as if that would he didn't want to be humiliated or make a fool of himself. And you know, he was awkward, uh, uh, socially s- s- awkward. Seemed to be. like where he met his secretary at the beginning, yeah. <laughs> and it was just an awkward exchange. And then after after this awkward exchange, it was this relationship understood, understood itself. Yeah. Um, but, but then with his mother, it was awkward. I think you can boil it down to certain psychological studies that say if in yourself you don't feel you can control something or you don't understand it, then in outside of yourself you try to overcompensate by being too controlling over something else. Right. There were questions about his own sexuality, possibly, his own self-worth, his own place in the world. And so on the outside of him, he had to overcompensate. By being like a control freak and a dominant personality. But on the inside, he's super fragile and like anything could like break him, you know. So I think that's pretty, uh, that kind of sums him up. You know, I'm sure there's people who know a lot more than we do about the man J. Edgar and have really read the history books and, you know, really looked into it and they, they might watch this and say, mm, it's all yeah, but it's just a somebody else's look at this. And they don't. Clint Eastwood doesn't claim for it to be the uh, God's spoken truth. He I feel says like it's, it's just pointing a light at the fact that relationships. I think it's pointing a light. At. It's not about his career so much right. as it is the relationships. But that in history, why do we focus on the relationship when in fact he might have done really good things for us as a country? But we kind of overshadow that by the oh, did you know that? Eh. But in fact, he probably did with his good and the bad, make progress, make progress for us as a, as a nation. So, and we've got to remember, 1919 was when he was a young man. By the time he was 24, it was into the early 20s, 1920, 1921. That's only like 30 years after kind of like the, you know, turn of the century. Things were just huge change going on. So he's kind of, you know, middle of old school, new school world. Yeah. Um... You know, and if you... I was going to say... I don't know what the point of that was, but I'm just thinking in history, like, the nation at the turn of that century, 1900, 1910, 1920, was like... It's like a powder... What's it called when you say it? A powder keg? um, His department, though, the FBI that he founded, changed the world, changed America. So, you know, it's... He's an important figure in history, no doubt. I guess some could argue... When you build up that kind of force on your side because you want to counteract forces against you, that then you spur on the other, the enemy, so to speak, to, like, oh, to power up, and we... then you power up, and then they power up. And so it's arguable in history what that does as, as a world of humans, what we do to each other politically, but... But I think the value in this film, for me, was like how they portrayed him as a a flawed individual, but still a human being, but... You can't like him all the time. Sometimes you you're like, he's a complete tool. Like I I just despise him. Sometimes you're like, well, this is a touching moment. I was touched at the end, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That was a really nice way of. I, I think mean, you. I'm, we all know he's dead. So I'm touched like, more by the thought of how other people, because one thought kept coming to my mind. Right, for every person, regardless of who you are. Or how horrible you are. You can be a horrible... There are horrible human beings in this world. Someone loves you. Mm-hmm. 
There's someone in this life, and even over, even if they know the horrible things about you, there's something about you, a reason that they love you. And that can almost add value to you as a human being, even when it's not there. And so for everybody, like what defines him is more about how these certain close people loved him in spite of whatever. And I felt like that was that's what I got out of the relationships, really. So he was, uh, he was always pushing away, but they were just right there. There was no getting rid of them. Do you know what no, I mean? He and just, he couldn't he only had very He only interacted on an emotional level with Two four, people. Yeah. Four, three yeah. people, four people. Um, literally, you know, that was, the, yeah. that was his family, wasn't it? And it wasn't an average everyday family. There's no kids running around. I felt there's a niece there at one point, and I'm thinking, oh, God, I feel bad for that girl in this family. Because the mother's kind of wacky, and then you've got Jagger who couldn't give a shit about the niece, really. And then we never meet the brother or anything, but I just thought... And she was all dressed up like a perfect little doll. Like she came over for a dinner. You know what? And my mom said when she was a girl, that's how my grandma would dress her to look like a perfect little doll. And I just thought, oh, poor little thing. So cast here, we got Leonardo DiCaprio as Jagger Hoover. I'm... Astonished that this that that performance isn't up for something this year. I mean, I I, I just like him more and more. He's like Absolutely. like Matt Damon. Um, where every time I see Matt Damon, I'm like, wow, Matt Damon's really good. I actually like Leo more. I think I think he's really versatile, Leonardo DiCaprio. I don't. I've seen him do all kinds of things. And I'd this like is... to see a straight up quality comedy with Leonardo DiCaprio, like yeah, a quality really comedy, not like a wacky thing. comedy, not like Bridesmaids or something like that. But I mean. Something actual quality, not a romantic comedy or something, but like a, you know, one of those... I feel like he could pull anything off. I do too, absolutely. I mean, and this only strengthens it for me, because he's pulling off a guy, you know, he's playing an older guy. Half of this movie he's playing a guy who's, what, 30 years older than himself? More more than that, yeah. Um, And everything about it, the body movement, the... The, Yeah. All of it, yeah. It's like he's watched a lot of... You know this guy, and and he really is this guy for me. He is this guy. I don't. He embodies it. Yeah, I don't feel Leonardo DiCaprio, and and the makeup helps because he obviously looks slightly different to him. But um, it can be a little distracting. It was for me. It was a little bit at first, and then I just. I'd kind rather of... them not try as hard to add the age, because I think he can do that himself, like you said, with his own acting abilities. So you could tone down the prosthetics and all that or whatever they call that um you know pieces on his face and just kind of let him do it himself but you know i can see past it yeah and, and it, you do need to know that he's a lot older absolutely I mean, because of the way it's told too with the back forward back forward um but yeah i i, I admire leonardo dicaprio i really have um, i mean most people think everybody i listen to thinks titanic's horrible no that's the first time i re- oh no it wasn't the first time i seen him but um I like all of his stuff, really. Like Gilbert Grave. And, yeah, you know, Boy's Life. Yeah, really. Or oh, One Boy's Life, whatever it's called. Um, yeah, that is uh, Basketball Diaries. Amazing. And he's really young. Yeah. I mean, um, he's from since he was a boy. If you watch him all the way through, I mean, The Beach, I'm going to have to watch again because I felt ugh, like I really hated it. You know what? I feel I might like it. You know, because... If you watch it again now. Yeah, because I love Danny Boyle and... Um, I like Leonardo DiCaprio. Maybe I would like it more. I you think we were blinded by expectations? It's one of them things when it came out, because it was just after Titanic, right? And people and were like... Train spotting. Yeah. And people were like, oh, well, Danny Boyle who made Train Spotting and Leonardo DiCaprio from Titanic. It's got to be good, right? And then it was, like, mediocre. I don't think it was bad. I think it was middle, like, just average. I don't 100% remember what it was about. I mean, I do. 
Yeah. <laughs> I know the main plot, but I don't know what happened. Like, so, yeah, maybe I have to revisit that. But no, I really like him. Uh, I see a lot of dissing, people dissing him and stuff. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. He's, he's a, an actor too. I guess it's like me. I hate Jonah Hill. and I don't hate him as a human being. I, I see him on the screen and I feel like, oh my God, I just lost 20 points on my IQ. And I don't know why. I have this aversion to him. And until something happens that he does that, that changes my mind, he doesn't have to prove anything to me, but there has to be something... I can imagine that's how people feel about someone like Brad Pitt or him or, you know, there's a handful of actors and actresses. Me with Angelina Jolie. I'm not a huge fan. I pick and choose. There are movies I think she's awesome in and I'm totally in love with her. And then there are movies when I just think, oh my God, can we have any more Angelina Jolie shoved down our freaking throats? I'm sick of her face. I'm sick of her acting. The Changeling you would like. I did. Yeah, I did. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood again, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and Salt. Absolutely. I reckon you like Salt. I did, I did like Salt. Uh, so, um, Naomi Watts um, plays Helen Gandhi here, uh, who is um, J. Edgar's secretary. Another one. I didn't like her in King Kong, and no. now I'm flipped around. She's really good in this. She's and, really and the good. Makeup, her makeup is the best makeup of them all, because I really bought that old makeup. Because they didn't go overboard. They just kind of did a Absolutely. chin more. Though. And her hair, do, a woman's hair does a lot more, I think, aging. Yeah. For you. And then they did her neck just right. But she's so much. good in this. It's like um, a subtle... She doesn't say much. If no. you think back. But, but she's a loyal... There's a lot of... Um, well, she understands she him. She doesn't yeah. have to... He's, he only asks her one question. He asks her questions like, can I trust you with this? And she doesn't even have to say yes. He, and he knows. He just She just looks at him. There's a lot of that, right? So it's just this bond between them that is established at this Maybe there should be a movie moment. about her. <laughs> yeah, because that's an interesting character—a woman who is chosen. She doesn't want to be married. She doesn't have children. She wants to only focus on She's her about job. Her work. And we're talking about 1920 here. Yeah, 1921 in American history of a woman choosing not to be married and wanting to be a professional woman, which she obviously put. put in I mean, she tells him straight up, "That's yeah. what I want." So that is an interesting character. But it sounds like to me, when they did their research, that she wasn't giving up anything right. about herself or anything. So. She's to- she's more of a mystery than he is, and if you think about it, she probably held more secrets than any of those other people around. Well, so. she knew everything. Fascinating. She knew everything because she had access to it all. Um, then there's uh, Dame Judi Dench uh, plays um, an old lady, Jay Edgar's <laughs> mother, Anna Marie Hoover. Um, it's a good another good performance. Yeah, I mean she's yeah. Come on, it's I, just I really like intention. Judi Dench. I mean she, she's a good she was a good choice for it. Um, but it's just being an overbearing, weird mother. There's that, that's an awesome scene, though, when he when he hints at something yep. and she oh yeah she just very... bites back yeah <laughs> she just like literally bites him like a Rottweiler would bite your arm. I mean, she doesn't literally bite him, but it's verbally yeah. a bit, verbal equivalent of biting him, saying um, enough of that. Yep, let's move on. Um, so uh, and then finally, I'd put down Annie Hammer as um, Clyde Tolson, who's um, J. Edgar's right hand man, who. Um, Arnie Hammer, you will remember from the social network. As who, the twins. As the twins. <laughs> which we were mind-boggled that there wasn't two of that <laughs> remember? Good we, job, watched yeah. the, we watched the uh, extras and we were like, like, what are you? Hold on, there's just one guy. That was amazing. And in this, he does a very good job. He because does. I feel it's... like he is the straight man, so to speak, even though Jagger is obviously serious himself. But another interesting person, a real human who existed, who probably held a lot of... Mystery that will never be told. 
And I feel like that guy, until they put all that makeup on him. Oh, the so makeup was terrible on him, I have to say. It was so frustrating. Because he did such a good job of... I don't you know, know why, because it, cause it was no... Leonardo's makeup was nowhere near as bad as no, this one. It, it looked like very, this was done by somebody else. Like It was like, right, it just... In, it, um, Maybe it's because he's younger him. or something, I don't know. I think what they were doing, it looks like to me, they looked at too many photos of the real guy and tried to keep sculpting and sculpting instead of just aging him, which they did to, to DiCaprio. Like... He doesn't look like J. Edgar Hoover. When you look at J. Edgar Hoover, he has a very specific yeah, face. Yeah, he doesn't look nothing like him. Right. Really. But there are characteristics like of his face. Like the sculpted hairline. But the shape of his head. Yeah. But with this guy, it was almost like they wanted to take a mask of the other guy as an old man and slap it on him. But in spite of that, behind that horrible makeup job, I think he did a fantastic job, even in those scenes where he had, you know, had, had a problem and now has to the move everything about him. I think it came through. So that's a testament to him. Because I've liked him. From the minute he stepped on the screen, I was like, oh, he kind of commands me a little bit in a very quiet... You know how I think of him as? <laughs> Tim Gunn from Project Runway because... Kind of authoritative. There is a, I'm not the star of this show. However, I am I am everything else to this, to this whole process. I'm everything behind Jag Hoover. I am it kind of thing. So. So this is directed by Clint Eastwood, and I normally tell you what movies they've directed, but we don't need to <laughs> tell, a lot. You, tell more, you what Clint Eastwood There's more directed. than we even know. Yeah. Than we even knew. Um, still directing. It seems to me he's doing like two movies a year, and he's, eight, what, 82, did you say? It'll be a loss, I think, you oh, know, absolutely. as the time It'll comes. It'll be one of the biggest losses, I think. I mean, it's not just a career of being... He was a movie star in his own... I mean, a huge movie star in his younger years, and then then just transformed into a director almost without you noticing. Does he write as well? Did he write? Yeah, um, and he, he writes and he directs and he... Did he write Gran Torino? Writes music and, you know, he's all-round talent, really. Um, and those movies that he was in when he was younger, there's, they're iconic. There's iconic movies like Dirty Harry or... The yeah, Good, the Bad not Good. that those are great, but... No, but they're iconic. <laughs> the movies that we will all... You know when you see a montage of movies on the Oscars or whatever? Yeah. Those movies will always be in those. Um, that's how iconic they are. The music that he's done... I mean, the movies he's done music for. Just off the top. Mystic River. Million Dollar Baby. Flags of Our Fathers. Grace is Gone. Never saw that one. Changeling. Hereafter and J. Edgar. Right. So, if you... You know, when you're talking about the distinctive sound... I've I not know, seen Mystic River As soon River as that either. piano starts, I know it's, it's Clint tinkling the ivories. It's just absolutely... I've never seen Mystic River, you know. I should see that sometime. I have. I've not seen Gracie's Gun. When was that from? Uh, 2007. Don't remember it at all. Mm-mm. Um, so, yeah, Clint Eastwood. Um, legend. Pretty much. <laughs> I think so. I saw all of He's directed movies. 35 movies. Yeah. Just so you know. That's what if I mean. You, he if trans- you go... If you're sitting there right now going, Clint Eastwood directs movies? Never heard of that. Well, there you go. He's also in an in that awesome movie where he co-stars with an orangutan. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Two Bridges, movies. What, Bridges of Madison County? Oh, yes. Boom. No, that's nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, Clint Eastwood, awesome. Uh, so Blu-ray extras on this movie. Um, if I have a complaint about the picture quality in any way, and it's not about the Blu-ray, it's really shadowy, this movie, like dark shadowy. I like it. I sometimes think, I mean, it's, sometimes it's hard to see what is going on in some scenes. But I, I think it kind of helped that makeup a little bit. To little not bit. have it super bright. Absolutely. Um, and it's nothing to do with the Blu-ray. The Blu-ray is very faithful to what, what the film should look like. But it is a dark... And I am not don't mean tone. I mean a dark movie. 
there's a lot of shadows, but it's the corridors of power. Yeah, and all that I kind think of thing. that if I remember in one of the extras from another Clint Eastwood movie, is he likes natural light. Yeah, that's it. He doesn't, he doesn't like, like a lot of scene. well, not just overlight, but I mean, he doesn't like to add. So if you've got big windows on one side of the room, and then you've got your setup here, you might have a few of those reflective things. But when you watch, he likes because that's more, you know, like first of all, if you're acting. And you're supposed to be in a really serious scene, and you're in the in your office or in your White House or something like that. And then you've got all these. If you've ever seen them making movies, and they do those like what look like a satellite dish with reflectors oh, right yeah. in your face, like right on. You don't even know they're there when you're watching. But it would be like <laughs> imagine like. Yeah, I mean, it's so, a beautiful looking. Movie. It does. I uh, love the, the shadow. The are amazing. It's one of those uh, super lots of detail everywhere. You know. Because if you've ever been in those big buildings and stuff, That's it is they- very. You feel like you're in those yeah, buildings. That's absolutely. what I'm saying. Um, and, you know, like when I was looking at things like J. Edgar's actual desk, how detailed everything on the desk was and how much research they must have put into it. When they looking. went to his house. I mean, my God. Yeah, there's there's a lot of, of stuff, yeah. Um, so the Blu-ray, um, which I, th- I think has got one of the most awesome covers absolutely. I've seen for a while. Um, you know, we normally say, oh, I really hate Blu-ray artwork. I always say that. And yeah, I would have that this is a good as one. a poster. Yeah, it literally looks like a poster. In fact, I'd like it as a mini poster framed in a nice frame next to my Wizard of Oz. And album. what it is is, um, well... Um, Leonardo DiCaprio as J. Edgar Hoover's face in black and white over the American flag. Well, just the stripy part of the American flag. No stars. The stripy part. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, there's no stars there. So so it's the, it's red, white, and black and white. Do you know what the stripes uh, represent? Uh, I know what the stars represent, the states. The stripes represent... No. I think the original colonies or something like that. I don't even know. I was asking you. Oh. <laughs> I'm no, the American here. <laughs> all right, I know. Um, all right, so uh, the Blu-ray only has one feature. Just one feature. One lonesome feature. And it's called J. Edgar, the most powerful man in the world. Um, it was a good one, I It's thought. a good feature. It's a 22-minute yeah. behind... Not behind the scenes, because they don't show you how they made the movie at all. It's everybody from the movie, including Leonardo DiCaprio, which I love because he always is willing to talk about his work. He's not one of them. We don't talk to Leonardo DiCaprio. He's never. Is is. He's always there, yeah, talking. And yeah. Clint Eastwood is exactly the same. He will tell. He will talk. Even though Clint Eastwood doesn't give you any information in this, he basically keeps saying the same thing. Just, <laughs> just think for yourself when you watch this movie. Maybe it was true. Maybe it wasn't. Just have a think about it. Um, he so, likes yeah. the story to speak for itself. So it's I this think. one extra. It's a good extra. Um, there could have been more. Come on. I mean, they could have. It's a, it's a, but I think you should just go and seek out. I'm sure there's lots of documentaries about J. Edgar Hoover. I'm sure there's lots of books you can read about him as well. That's what I'm saying. If you still wonder, just look it up. Um, so, yeah, there's just this one feature. There's no commentary. There's nothing like that, which is unfortunate. Because I like to hear Clint Eastwood speak about stuff. He's actually pretty interesting to listen to um isn't there a whole documentary about him yes yeah so um in conclusion J. Edgar Blu-ray DVD ultraviolet digital copy um very very good after last week's Tower Heist I feel refreshed after watching, <laughs> watching a movie that has some meaning to it at least you know that you can walk away and think about for a while and feel like well, yeah, because Tower Heist, well, we're still talking about it, but only in... in only well, while we're trying to say is it... But what I mean is, <laughs> I can, I'm, I'm not just thinking about this movie, J. Edgar. I'm thinking about 
I'm thinking about Clint Eastwood. I'm thinking about the real man, Jay Edgar. I'm thinking about events in the history of America. Um, you know, I'm thinking about capturing John Dillinger. You know, I'm thinking about all those things. After or I've the complexity of a human person and that you can't ever take somebody just from the side of them that you see. Uh, if I meet some asshole at work and that's the only relationship we have is that I see this guy in meetings and he acts like a dickhead and he's really bossy and he's hateful. When he walks out of that room and he goes home, there's somebody who loves him or there's something redeeming about that person or woman, could be a woman or whatever. Some people who know me find me very unlikable because they only see one part of me. And then to know the other parts of me, it's almost like I don't want to know the good parts of some people that I don't like. But sometimes you have to. That's what this movie made me think. Like, there's always something else. There's also a moment I needed to mention, and I forgot in the main review. But there's a moment where they show you in the the cinemas in the 1930s, they show these public information films, which the information film is J. Edgar, the real J. Edgar, telling you about what the FBI does for you and how you should respond to it. And it's your FBI. Right. We're 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 there to protect protect you. you. And then... He shows you, you know, we're capturing these bad guys because there was a, you know, that was when the big bank robberies were going on, all that kind of thing. And then the next thing is them watching James Cagney playing Public Enemy Number One. They're booing him and cheering James booing Cagney. Him, yeah, so it's, you know, shows you the idiocracy of a, a nation anyway. <laughs> so, which is always, it's always the case. Absolutely. Right? Um, so, yeah, I highly recommend it. Thanks to Warner Brothers for the Blu ray. Um, and if you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com. Nothing to do with Jagger, but you can enter a contest. Next week's Blu-ray review will be London Boulevard on Blu-ray. I see that over um, there. Kira Knightley and Colin Farrell. Um, I like in, Colin Farrell. And I like London, so London Boulevard. London Boulevard. I like the way you say Boulevard. How do you say it? Boulevard. Uh, yes, it's kind of... <laughs> like Missouri Boulevard? Yeah. Boulevard. Boulevard. So, um, what's so the game time, we Next play? time we're getting intimate, I just want you to say that over and over. Boulevard, Boulevard, what's, Boulevard. What's the um, <laughs> game that we play at this time in the podcast? The game we play is right... That line. Sorry, I broke everybody's eardrum there. Yeah, you did. You uh, Right, as in... <laughs> right, that line. As in, I'm going to give you a line from a movie. A very famous line from a very famous movie. And you're going to tell me if it is correct or incorrect. And the challenge is... That you think you know lines from movies, but when you hear it out of context or someone's challenging you, you might go, oh, wait, I thought it was this, but it's actually that. So, And will the, um, can they play along at home? Well, they can if they want. How? I don't care. <laughs> I will say the line, and then you can hit your pause button. Or if you sit there and think about it for very long, they'll have time. Don't cheat. Don't look it up. No, it's pointless. Uh, we're going to give you the answer in about 20 seconds. So. All right, do it. Okay. So... The line is, Joey, do you like movies about gladiators? That is from the movie Airplane, <laughs> which is a fantastic movie. Um, fantastic movie. It is. It is. It's, it's it is what it is. Groundbreaking. Absolutely. Um, I can't disagree There with was that. nothing like it at the time. And the only other thing really that was like it was the sequel to it and the Naked Gun movies, right? It was a, a thing. Oh, there's a- lots of others now. Right, some would argue that, like, like that. well, some would argue that, like, um, Scary Movie, all those are in, in homage to They're not to quite it. as banal as that is. I mean, it's not clever, Airplane. It's 
nuts. I mean, it's vaudevillian. It's insane. You know that show that I watch from the UK, Shooting Stars? Yes. It's like <laughs> that. It's so off the wall. You it don't is. actually know what's happening sometimes. You're getting you, off topic. You're is that like line it. accurate? Are you going to write of that line? I know that line. So say it again. I got to read it. Joey, do you like movies about gladiators? I think that's that's the line. Are you sure? Yeah, because he also asked him... Um, have you no, ever seen, that line's all also, we care about. He also asked him, have you ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs> he also asked him, do you like it when Scraps gets on your leg and starts rubbing up and down a bit? Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I always love that part. Right, but you're convinced you know that it's, this It's line. when the little boy comes up. Mm-hmm. The, the, the stewardess says And his the, name is Joey. The stewardess says to Joey... Would you like to come and see the the cockpit? And he's like, sure, sure. And then he goes in, and the the captain is very inappropriate. The entire he says, time. "Have you been in an airplane cockpit?" And he says, "No, I've never been in a plane." And then he says, "Have you ever seen a grown man naked?" <laughs> like just completely Joey. weird. Do you like it when scraps gets on your leg? And... Are you sure his name is Joey? Yeah. Okay. All right. Are you convinced? Oh, is maybe, that your final maybe answer? He's not called Joey. Is that your final answer? That yeah. it is correct. Yeah, correct. You're right. Yeah, I was trying to put you off. I mean, I know. I, I was going to change the name to Tommy, and I thought, no, if I you, if you I were throw doubt, in you a were spanner, me there. Doubt myself. <laughs> well, you didn't doubt yourself quick enough, but right. uh, I was trying. But that is it, Joey. I love, I love Do you like movie. movies about gladiators? If you want a movie that's very far different from J. Edgar, there's your movie. And there might be some political incorrectness. So if you watch it now, oh, it was thirty years there ago. Is. You can be offended if you want. Um, it will t- it'll tingle a few ivories of your head of modern day political correctness. Stewardess, do you speak jibe? <laughs> jive with a V. <laughs> jibe. No. Jibe talk. It isn't jibe. It's jive with a V. Oh, jive. I also call jibe talk. No. <laughs> jive. Jive. Like jive talking. Yeah. That was the thing I was talking about, yes. Yeah, that is inappropriate. Um, but funny at the same time. Because Leave it to Beaver's mom is... Speaking with the... So, um, moving on to movie recommendations. My movie recommendations for this week on the theme of Jagger are... I went for two biopics. Uh, the first one, Milk, about the life of Harvey Milk, which which actually won Oscars. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Um, Sean Penn plays Harvey Milk. It's really good. Uh, I think it fits alongside this movie quite Absolutely. well. Um, and the other one's The Aviator, because The Aviator also stars Leonardo DiCaprio... And it is a fantastic biopic because uh, Howard Hughes, who he portrays in that movie, is almost as interesting as Jagger. And I mean, he, he has the idiosyncrasy mm-hmm. of this guy too. So I recommend it be a nice... Uh, the undoing of a complicated person. Three in a row uh, kind of uh, back-to-back movie. If you're heavy into but heavy. It's if you pretty heavy. Nine yeah. hours or whatever, be eight hours. If you of love like... biopics, those, <laughs> yeah. are, those are some good choices. And some good acting. And mine are Frost Nixon, because I feel like that's another one where, first of all, the performances are awesome, the historical value is there, and yet it highlights the individuals the of men. a historic thing, but they're just men. It's about the men, not yeah, the Yeah, and they're just men. They're just dudes who have wives and children and take a shit every day and you know, whatever, were prepubescent boys at some... I mean, they're just dudes. And here they are at a showdown of a very pivotal moment, you know, an undoing of someone or whatever, you know. And it was it was really, really good. And the, other, the two other ones are going to be, and I haven't even seen these, but I'm going to say, just in context, is seen. to go see... I haven't seen them. You've seen Public Enemies. I haven't. Not from 1931. Since oh, 1931. the original one, yeah. 
Yeah, Public Enemies from 1931 and G-Men from 1931 so that you can get an idea of the sort of the social, um, what audiences were wanting from this sort of hyper, um, because they point out in this movie that James Cagney plays the bad guy in one and then he plays J. Edgar Hoover in the other and it's in the same year almost. So the turnaround from public audiences cheering for the bad guys, like they said, Bonnie and Clyde and all the bad mafia go- or mobsters and whatnot, and then turning around and all of a sudden cheering for the FBI, it's a very interesting thing, I, I thought. I bet it's on Netflix, too. Oh, they are. They have a lot of old movies. Yeah. Um, plus, there's a remake of Public Enemies that we reviewed, actually, back in a, earlier after the show, the one with Johnny Depp, uh, Michael Mann's Public Enemies, which was actually a good film. It was just unfortunately had this really bad sound mix that it kind did. of ruined the Blu-ray. But, it did. But apparently it wasn't just the Blu-ray, the theatrical release. But uh, yeah, it was, if you are interested it was in John good, Billings... but I think I would rather see the original. Yeah. To be honest. It I was a good movies. movie. It just had this funny sound mix and it was Michael They Mann's. say it was on purpose. Yeah, they do. Um, I don't agree. I think it was technically <laughs> I think that wrong. was back-talking after the fact. Yeah. Oh, shit, what am I going to say? Oh, yeah. It's like when you trip on something and you go, oh, I did. I meant to do that. Uh, so yeah, that's our recommendations for this week. Games and Ace Scully stuff, not very much this week. The Oscars, I mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, the Oscars are tomorrow. Um, that's, that's all I wanted to mention. Uh, secondly, um, the game... Um, what happened there? I changed the color. Secondly, the game Asura's Wrath is the game I've been playing this week. And you saw a little bit of this game, me playing it. Um, let me explain Asura's Wrath, and it's pretty difficult. Asura is A-S-U-R-A-S. Yeah, he's a god. Um, so you play a god in this game uh, you play there's seven gods in this game the god you know and it's a let me say it's Capcom's version of God of War but with some different gods it's not the it's not the Greek gods it's I don't know what these gods are Sora I've heard of it before but I don't know okay they're not fictional I mean you no know. it's an actual okay. uh, Japanese thing or something anyway well, there's, all, there's all these gods you play one of them you are framed by all the other gods into looking like you killed the emperor. And then you are killed and cast down into the pit. Sounds like God of War. Uh, It kind of is, but in this mad anime... uh, Let me say the game itself. It's like watching an anime. It's actually even split up into ten-minute chapters. And at the end of each chapter it says to be continued... It's left on this cliffhanger. It's always a cliffhanger, and it says to be continued. And the start of the next chapter, they roll the whole credits again. So it's like watching a TV show. Is Um, that annoying? No, it makes the game pretty interesting, because I've never really seen that done before. After, like, the fifth or sixth time? Well, and and they bite-size kind of ten-minute pieces. I kind of like that about it. So you can sit down, play one of the episodes, and then... Oh, yeah. um, Like like when your wife says dinner's in 20 minutes, then you know you have time to do one. (laughs) That's kind of cool. So... But my problem with it is there's not much game. It's like watching a movie and pressing a, pressing buttons every now and then. Right? You don't feel involved? Um, it's quick time events. The game is comprised of quick time events. What does that mean? Shenmue um, is the first game that brought quick time events to life. And what is a quick time event? You press buttons that appear on the screen. It'll say A. Oh, okay. You press A and then it'll say Y, Y. And then you press Y and Y. And if you press them correctly, the cutscene carries on moving. Now, if you think about that from a gameplay element, you're not really doing anything. It's just 
if you press the buttons correctly, the the scene, story goes on. Yeah, and there is no branching in this story. If you press them wrong, it doesn't change anything. It carry it still carries on. You just get less of a score at the end of the scene, which means you're really not doing anything apart from pressing some buttons because they needed to give you something to do. Right now, there are there are parts where you actually fight. You've got combos. You can, you know, you're a god. You can punch people. You can do special moves and stuff. But it's really, really lightweight. It's like you've got a punch, you've got a kick, and you've got a special move. That's literally it. Like it's not deep. There's no involved. It's very easy. You just kind of press the buttons very fast. Everybody goes down. It's in the style of God of War. You know, like lots of enemies at once. Um, I really am digging the story. It's really abstract. It's really Japanesey. It's quite hard to follow. But, you know, for every kind of shitty thing about this game, there's like an amazing moment. Like, you fight a god. You fight one of the gods at the beginning. And you're fighting him. You're just normal-sized. You're having this fight. And then he says, screw this. I'm going to change into my real form. And he turns into... He changes from a normal-sized guy to a guy who is bigger than the Earth. Right. He flies up into space, you fly up with him, and then... And you're still normal size. You're normal size still. But you can fly. Correct, because you're a god. Okay. And then you have a fight with him while he is bigger than the earth, and then you fly up into space and you see it, and then you fly back down to the earth, and he decides to poke his finger through the earth's atmosphere. So imagine his finger is bigger than the right. earth. Right. His, his finger's bigger than the earth because he's humongous. He pokes his finger down into the Earth's atmosphere, and then you're stood there. He just presses you down into the ground. And you're stuck underneath his finger in the ground, in a big ditch, because imagine how much... And then you get Asura's wrath. His wrath builds up. You get really angry. You get pissed off. And then you grow uh, your power, as this god, the god you are, Asura, you can grow six arms out of your back. So you've got lots of arms. It's a Japanese thing, this, apparently. Okay. He punches the guy's finger, which he is underneath. Right? Imagine this playing out. It's huge. I'm imagining it. Punches the finger so hard, and you press the B button at this point. Like... That he goes through the finger, like carries, continues up his arm, inside his arm. And imagine his arm is like from the sun to the earth. Okay. And then... Powers so he's also like Mr. The... Fantastic. Yeah. Power... Well, no. No, he <laughs> he's not stretched. His he arm is stretched. Okay. So he's punching like so hard he's da, going da, da, through. Da, da. Yeah. Okay. And then um, the guy just like starts to set on fire from the inside because you're inside him. And then just like goes into a big glob of stone. In the sky. And that is the first battle. <laughs> oh my God. Right? And let me just say, I mean, I'm about halfway through. That. Is the scale of that is nothing compared to the other ones. You can't even imagine what the other so ones are. So is the are. spectacle of it overriding the game element? Yeah, because you've really never... I've never seen... I'm like, oh, holy... Like, every single thing I was doing, I was like, wow, this is... It can't get any bigger than this first battle, can it? It really does, right? I mean, it, it, I'm but talking it like... eye candy than it is gameplay? It's not much gameplay, okay. i got to say. But if you like anime, and you like... I would call it interactive anime, but the interactive is like a bit, putting it a bit, okay. you know. So if you like anime, 
and you like stories about gods and you like to feel ultra powerful because you do a lot of the time I think you'll like it but it's like a $60 game and apparently it's 4 to 5 hours long and really there's 20 minute periods of time where you press nothing on your controller in fact there was a period of time where my controller shut down because the 360 thought I wasn't using it anymore because I was watching a cutscene so if you like cutscenes it's like a really expensive movie yeah you know which I don't know if I can recommend, but I'm having fun with it. Five-hour movie where you push a button every once in a while. Yeah, but like you've never seen anything like it because it's like so over-the-top and crazy. The graphics are really good, by the way. When, you know, rendering a character that's... You know, they really do it well, but it comes across as an anime. So I don't know. It's like when it comes in the bargain bin. It's very specific. It's very specific, yeah. You have to be a certain type of to enjoy it. It's very Japanese... You know, it's a Japanese game, but they've done an English voiceover, but you can actually listen to the Japanese voiceover if you want. So I think it was made for that fan of uh, Japanese culture. Um, so I can't recommend it at 60 bucks, but if it was in a bargain bin, because I think it will be, because it won't sell. For like $5. <laughs> like a $20 game. It won't sell this game, I can tell you that. It's going to be so niche. Um, maybe they didn't make many of them because they knew it wouldn't sell, so I don't know. Um so that's the game I've been playing this week. And then next week's game, comes out on Tuesday, is the new SSX. Which I will talk about next week. It's I'm tricky. Uh, uh, it's tricky. Very excited about SSX because um, there hasn't been a new SSX since, what, it must be five years. Don't I don't keep uh, track. And I'm glad they're bringing the franchise back because it was always a cool... It was a fun game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's this week's stuff. Um, that's it. Okay, are you done? Oh, I am uh, contemplating buying a PlayStation Vita, but that's for a future episode when I do finally Shocking. <laughs> Good God. You have the same routine. Every time a new thing comes out, you'll start off by reading a bunch of reviews and going, oh, I don't want that. That, that doesn't look very good. That doesn't look... Uh, I, don't, I don't want that. And then the instant somebody likes it and starts to talk good about it, then you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm going to get it. Of course you're going to get it. I'm you wh- need to accept that for the last, let's say... 31 or 2 years of your life you've purchased or somehow acquired every gaming console or handheld console I'm guessing that has ever been produced for you in the British market or American market not all of them what didn't you get? well I was really into the Commodore 64 and at the same time the Spectrum was out um, I think we did have a Spectrum eventually there you go I didn't buy it though but Um, you had one and you played it yeah. As an adult, you've bought There everything. are ones I didn't have. I'd never bought an Atari Lynx. I always think I want an Atari Lynx now, but um, I, I bet I could buy one now for about 10 bucks in a car boot sale, right? Why didn't you get that? It was very expensive at the time, but it was awesome. It was a, Atari's handheld from like the early 90s. It was pretty big, actually, but it played like um, awesome kind of really cutting-edge games for that time on a handheld. It used six AA batteries... Oh, AAA batteries. What? These ones. Double A. Double A batteries. And they lasted literally an hour. Like, <laughs> And it was a colour LCD, which was like... It was tiny, like three inches. But it was like cutting edge for the time. And my friend had one. And I think they were about £600. Which is, what? $1,000 or something? It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. They were expensive as hell. I never got one because of the price. Um, I always wanted one. There's a few of those. Neo Geo. I never had one of those. So expensive. Always wanted one. But now I don't really want one because I can play all the Neo Geo games on the Wii or wherever, you know. Um, 
But yeah, the Vita, well, I'm, I've got some um, Amazon gift vouchers and stuff. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait a while and see if the price comes lower. Because I think it might, you know, pretty quickly. At least, I hope they drop the price of the memory cards. Because you have to buy a memory card. As you do with all Sony stuff. <laughs> you have to buy a memory card. You don't to have to. Well, you, you can't play any games at all. I know, but you don't have to buy it. It was like the PS2. When you bought the PS2 and brought it home, you realised that you needed a memory card uh, to play a game. You couldn't even play a game without the memory card. Uh, and you realise that after the fact. This is the same thing. You need a memory card. Um, but yeah, I will have one in the future and I will talk about it then. I can't wait. Did you have any questions for me? Why can't you wait? You don't play handheld games. Of course, that's what I'm saying. I just can't wait. I don't care really about it, except that when you get excited about particular games, or when you get it and you want to show me every little trick it does, that's awesome, and then I'm over it, because I'm not that interested. There's going to be... If you said to me, there's going to be an all-new Sims game on here, and you're going to buy me one, then I'll be excited. There will be... I didn't actually to be excited. Versus, there'll be or some Plants am- vs. Zombies or something There'll else. be some amazing games on the Vita. There'll be a God of War, I'm sure. There'll be amazing for me? No, for me. Well, you're not going to ask me the next question anymore? You just decided not to ever We hadn't again? finished this topic yet. Yes, we were. You keep looking at me and stop talking. Um, Sid Talk, <laughs> what's for dinner? <laughs> That's better. You're my puppet. Uh, what's for dinner will be tofu scramble, which will have some onions and peppers in it, mushrooms, and we got this. We were at the health food store the other day, and you, <coughs> excuse me, spotted these, thus, and decided we were going to try it, which is Eden Organic, which is the brand, Curried rice and beans, which is brown rice and green lentils. We I can't help but I just had a thought. It's in a can, so we have no idea what it's going to taste like. You could drop raisins into that and it tastes good. Yeah, we're going to taste on its own, and then uh, we can put raisins. Don't have any raisins right now. No, I don't mean no. I'm just saying you could. Yeah, but we don't even know curry. if it's good yet, so we're going to yeah. try it. Um, and with that will be the tofu scramble and go the to leftover Mexican rice that we got also yeah. in a box. And I forget the name of that one, but that, that was, was really good as well. We're going to have that. Edenfoods.com or something. This was Edenfoods.com, yeah. Yeah. Seems like a pretty uh, reasonable uh, company. Or Curry, rice and, all that and beans. Kind of yeah, it sounds really good. Yeah. We'll see. It could taste like shit because stuff in cans sometimes does often has a weird texture and stuff. But we shall see. And then uh, my advice to the world is to the whole world. Do not dismiss the impact that people have in your life, for better or worse, right? If you're close to someone in in your life, as in intimate with someone, as a relationship or a one-time thing or whatever, or as a friend, a close, you know, your best friend in grade school, they're going to have an impact on you, a huge impact sometimes, and they're going to change you in some way. So to think like, oh God, I had that one boyfriend that time and he was a complete asshole. Ugh, I never want to see him again. You can't dismiss the fact that he probably adjusted some, your relationship with that person probably did something to you that affected you for the rest of your life. Changed the way you do or you think or you approach or you feel about somebody or something. The way you let people in or don't let people into your life. How paranoid you are, how open you are or how trusting you are of people or maybe just plant the seed in your mind to broaden your mind a little bit and you didn't even realize that that friend had that impact on you because that was when I was 10 years old blah 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 you know so just uh, saying don't dismiss the fact that some of the things you're doing now as an adult might have been impacted by some one person at one time in your in your distant past whether you liked them or not whether it was a horrible experience or not, they've 
put one of the pieces of your puzzle in there. On this topic, but kind of off topic. <laughs> in the J. Edgar movie, they didn't ever um, really deal with his father. Like, Well, we just saw the glimpse of maybe. Yeah, but not really any. I mean, I'd have to go and look that up. Yeah. I mean, was J. Edgar the way he is because of the, uh, I don't know. I think it was the mother. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. Right. So that's my advice. That's about people changing who you are, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, including parents, because, you know, you All didn't right. have your mother for very long. But the fact, it wasn't just that she was your mother, but you have distinct memories of her. Yep. And you have memories in your mind of what type of a person she was to you. And that makes you a certain type of person. Not just the genetically it makes you, but you have memories of a woman of a certain type. And that makes you then treat other women or expect other things of women in a certain way. Just because of that brief relationship, even mm-hmm. though you're very young. And I think some people forget that as you go along in life, it's kind of like you're a magnet and you're empty when you start. And as you go through life, people, little bits of everybody sticking to you, sticking to you. Sometimes it, you repel things. Absolutely. You know, some people, <laughs> it's like this. Chalk and cheese. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like opposites do not always attract. And yet even that experience, if someone totally repels you, it could give you an insight to future people of that type. And maybe teach you how to deal with them better. You know, I've had that in my life at work. Some people who I didn't deal with very well. But now as I carry that experience with me and I see another person with the same personality coming toward me, I take that past experience and try to broaden my mind and look at it a little bit different way. And so that's it. I'll stop talking. <laughs> Very nice. So uh, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, I want to remind you about our websites, uh, aschoolie.com, sidtalk.com. You can catch us both on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube. The Zoom Marketplace is a place where you, if you have a Zoom or a Windows Phone 7, you can go and get this podcast. Subscribe. If you have the iPhone, you can go to the iTunes Music Store. If you, well, if you have a, any Apple device, you can go to the iTunes Music Store. Or you can use iTunes on Windows, I believe. Yeah. In, in this day and age. Absolutely. Uh, you can go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast, listen to the podcast right there. Don't subscribe to it at all. Just listen to it right there. Do you oh. feel like you have to mention all these things? Or could you just say, do a search for aschoolie and you'll find everything you need? No. I like to mention all these things. This is my uh, <laughs> spiel. You can email feedback to aschoolie at aschoolie.com. This is what's called the housekeeping portion of the podcast. But not to me. Don't email feedback to SidTalk at SidTalk.com because she doesn't want you to email at SidTalk at SidTalk.com. She hates that. <laughs> you never um, told anyone my email address, but thanks a lot. Not that they can figure it told out. told her them twice. But I can tell you now, unless it really, really stands out, like you could just get stuck in my spam filter. That's why I don't recommend people email me, but go for it. And stay classy, Mr. Clint Eastwood. I hope we have another 10 films from you before... Um... Only 10? Yeah. <laughs> More. As More, many. absolutely. Yeah. I don't think he's done. And I'm going to say, everybody, think for yourself. Absorb as much information as you can. Make your own decisions for yourself because chances are, if you don't, somebody's doing it for you. <laughs>